It's really a blessing to be with you here today. Just so great. Lovely to see you all. We love you guys. We hear good reports of what you're doing and what God's doing here, and it, it really is a blessing. You know, I was born in Whangarei, and um, that, was, that was actually a very long time ago. But, you know, you, you just I just feel a connection here and in Northland and really look forward to what God is going to do and just take a real interest in what's going on. Just great to be here. And, of course, you know, Don and Penny, your pastors are, are real friends. We've known them for a long time. And it's always good to see what's going on, to see what God is doing. I trust that you've all had a good week. Um, I was home alone for a few days this week. Tark was in Fiji. He had a great time there. And um, Jody and Sam, they don't live with us, but they live real close to us. And, you know, we have Zach for sleepovers and see them every day, have the kids. Um, they were up in Ruakaka for a few days, so... Um, yeah, home alone, but when you're home alone, you get lots done. Not, I don't always like it, but you certainly get a lot done, so that was good. Now, I'm looking this morning at the search for significance. And just to start off, you know, if we just think, if we were adrift on the ocean, on a little life raft or whatever, and we had no way of getting anyone's attention was freezing cold, we had no water to drink, no food, nothing, time would be running out fast. And our big issue right at that point would be staying alive, survival. But after survival, one of our basic needs is for significance. God has made us that way. We need to feel like we're important, like our lives count, that we matter, that our lives have meaning and significance. Well, as I said, God has made us that way. We are made to live in relationship with him and with other people, to follow his plan and his purpose for our lives. And as we do those things, the idea is that that need is sorted. But, you know, as we all know, when you're dealing with human beings, things don't always go according to to plan. And one of the results of life in this sin-sick world that we live in is that a lot of people struggle in very many ways, including this issue of finding significance and fulfillment in life. Many experts believe that we need to have a good self-esteem if we're going to meet this basic need for fulfillment, and it certainly is a bonus to have a good self-esteem. But as we know, it's often easier said than done. And they always say you've got to get it straight from the horse's mouth. And that means that if we want to get the inside information on what we need or mankind's needs, we've got to get it from the source or from God who is our creator. Now, I believe that God cares about our self-esteem. He cares about our self-image. But he says our biggest problem is sin. And that has caused us to disconnect from God. And so our greatest need is for a saviour. And ultimately, that's where most of our searches are going to end. Now, Joseph M. Stahl is a Christian scholar and writer, and he has written a book called Perilous Pursuits. 
our obsession with significance. And in that book, he says, the problem isn't that we're searching for significance, but that we search in all the wrong places. I'll read that again. The problem isn't that we're searching for significance, but that we search in all the wrong places. So he's saying this is a significant, a legitimate search. It's okay, but we've got to look in the right places. It's like if we lost our cell phone and, and we went and we turned our house upside down and inside out looking for our phone, well, that's fine. But if our phone is actually sitting in a trolley at the supermarket, we're never going to find it in our house because it's not there. And it's the same kind of thing. And, you know, I've, I myself have looked in the wrong places for significance at times. And I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, have had those times when we've looked in the wrong places. So we'll just look at a few of these wrong places. Ecclesiastes um, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. That's Solomon utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Under the sun is a key thought in this little book of Ecclesiastes where it's used 29 times in one little book. Under the sun covers a lot of ground. It really does. It refers to life on this planet, all of life, because under the sun, everything we do, everyone who lives is under the sun. It refers to life here and now. Solomon tried everything that he could under the sun. He had unbelievable wealth, incredible wisdom that was light years ahead of anyone else. He had hundreds of women. I think his wealth must have deserted him. I mean, his wisdom must have deserted him on that one. And when he got old, his, all these wives, all these women, turned his heart, his devotion, away from God to follow other gods. And that was really his downfall. He worried so much, he fretted and worried about the legacy he was going to leave. But then the king, with a divided heart, left behind a divided nation. Solomon also created palaces and gardens that were the envy of the world. He had the very best of food and wine, great projects to get involved in. He had every form of entertainment that was available, all of that and more. And yet he concluded that life was empty and meaningless. Thousands of years later, nothing much has changed. The search for significance goes on, and that sense of emptiness and meaninglessness persists with a vengeance. And instead of turning to God, often we try the DIY, the do-it-yourself method, but I think many people know that with DIY, there's a great potential for things to go wrong. Dr. Stowell also says, true significance is never secured through our own efforts or by our own status or recognition or by attention or recognition from others. The thing is that we often think those things are going to do it. But he goes on, instead, true significance is founded and secured for us through the finished work of Christ on the cross. And even when we fully know that that's true, 
we somehow feel compelled to puff ourselves up or to somehow try and get other people to look at us, to give us what we think that we need for that sense of significance. You know, we try the various human strategies that end the scramble up the ladder for success, position, power, praise, applause, recognition, you know, whatever it is. And ironically, like broken cisterns that hold no water, no matter how much we have of those things, power, money, praise, whatever, it's never enough to satisfy our cravings for significance. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10 is an interesting verse. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Now isn't that the truth? John D. Rockefeller, who was the richest man in America in his time, was once asked, how much is enough money? And he famously answered by saying, just a little more. He was the richest man in America, but everything that he had wasn't quite enough. And whatever we think we'll need, it's never going to be quite enough to satisfy us. That's the nature of that craving. Jeremiah 2 and verse 13 says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns or tanks, that cannot hold water. Broken cisterns represent our own efforts to plug that hole in our soul. And they look promising to start with, but they don't do the trick in the long run. For some people, broken cisterns might be like real destructive things, you know, alcohol, drug abuse, eating disorders, addictions, gambling, porn, sexual immorality, all that kind of stuff. For others doesn't look so bad, you know, going after the body beautiful or big muscles, wealth, talent, fame. They don't look so bad, but they're just as broken. They still leak. They promise so much, but in the end, they don't deliver. Relationships is another big one. And, you know, like so many other young people, I thought that getting married was going to fill that need for significance, make me feel like somebody. You know, what do we call them? Our significant other. Well, it works for about two weeks. (laughs) We do our significant other a great injustice if we expect them to fill that hole in our soul that actually only God can fulfill. An athlete who reached the top of his sport was once asked, what do you wish someone would have told you when you first started out? And he said, I wish that someone would have told me that when you reach the top, there's nothing there. Life under the sun on this planet without God is actually empty. And if only we could really get our heads around that and push put our attention onto God, but that sort of stuff doesn't always make sense to the human heart, does it? And it gets worse because Jeremiah says, my people have committed two sins. You see, in order to pursue these strategies, we first of all have to push God out of the way. And then we just don't find that real significance or that value 
in the long term without giving Jesus first place and lordship in our lives. So under the sun isn't actually going to work, nor is the praise of man. It can feel so right, but it is so wrong. And if we confuse our performance or people telling us how good that we are in any area of life with our worth as a person, then we are going to be especially susceptible to this because we will tend to think that we're just as good as what others say about us. Well, what if no one's saying anything? And one of the dangers here is that we can become so desperate for approval for other people that we're more concerned about pleasing man than we are about pleasing God. You know, some people actually get addicted or kind of addicted to this kind of approval, and it's a bottomless pit. It's like an addiction. It's like a broken system. It can't hold water, and so whatever goes in just leaks out, and you end up just as empty as ever. The praise of man can be a slippery slope, especially if our need for it is out of control. Thank you for the water. In John's Gospel, Jesus spoke about some of the religious leaders who believed in him but wouldn't commit to him because they so loved the praise of men. John 12, verse 42 to 43. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than praise from God. Now, hey, we're not going to be kicked out of the church. But the scary thing is that as Christians, even in our service for God, even in ministry, we can still get caught up in this love affair with the praise of man. And that's why it's really important that we are all the time increasingly learning to get that sense of significance from God. Now, of course, we do need praise and affirmation and encouragement from others. Now, of course we do. There is that people part to finding significance in life. Jesus said we're to treat others, not how they treat us, but how we would like them to treat us. And so let's be people who are very generous in giving sincere praise and affirmation and encouragement to others. But for ourselves, hold it lightly. Like, sure, we need it, we appreciate it, but we're not going to hang our whole sense of significance on it. And there's also a made-in-the-image-of-God part in this. And as such, we gain significance from loving and being loved by others through being creative and through our accomplishments. That's important too. But it's very important that we understand that significance doesn't come from our ministry or what we do, but from our relationship with God. Now, we do need to serve God. That's part of his plan for us. But it's not the primary source of our significance. Now, from time to time, I come across Christians who honestly think, you know, if only they were allowed to preach, if only they were allowed to sing the solos or sing solos or lead the worship, then, you know, they would be okay. They would really feel like 
They were significant. They were somebody. They'd be fulfilled. Believe me, they wouldn't. It doesn't work. You know, many, many, many years ago, decades ago, we had a singer, David Evans, who came and sang at Church Unlimited. It wasn't Church Unlimited then. And he told us, he was lovely, he told us how he had this big dream of singing before a crowd of 10,000 people. That was his big ambition in life. And when or if he achieved that, he was really going to be whatever you get to be before you sing to that size of crowd. Anyway, through a happy series of events, he ended up with an opportunity to sing before a crowd of 40,000 people. You know, he was just a young man, and he was four times more than the fulfillment of his dream. Well, the day came, and he got up and sang to that great crowd of people, and it went well. And when he'd finished his song or songs or whatever it was, he got down from the stage, and he thought, that was it. And whatever he thought it was going to do for him didn't happen. And that experience was a defining moment in that young man's life because it highlighted to him the reality that, you know, that real satisfaction or significance comes from our identity as a child of God, not from anything that we do. It comes from relationship. Now, it's true that God gives us opportunities and God enables us to achieve and he blesses and enriches our lives through the things that we achieve. But God alone can meet our deepest needs. And we really need to settle that in our hearts. Now, one way we can begin to deal with this tendency is to live our life, or sorry, to, whoops. One way that we can begin to deal with this tendency to want to live our lives for the praise of man, is to practice a secret life. Okay, now you've got this thing about porn next Saturday. I'm not talking about that. You know, that's, that's a, a really hard thing, and we need to look to God and cry out for his grace to deal with that. But I mean a good secret life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 6, verse 16 to 18, Jesus talks about having a secret life of giving and praying and fasting. Now, I'm not saying that we only do those things in secret, but I do believe that there's a certain amount of praying, fasting, and giving we should do that only God knows about. And this is important because, you know, we know with our human nature being what it is, we can take something that's good, like giving to the poor, and we can turn that around and defile it and use it for something that will cause other people to look at us. We can turn it into a pride thing and make it something that's, that's not good. But doing it in secret puts an end to that. Doing it in secret deals to our flesh, deals to our pride. And on the positive side, it makes room for God to reward us. Because in each case, Jesus says, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We also need to think more about living for an audience of one. In other words, doing like a 180-degree turn in our thinking and try to be more concerned about making a good impression on God than making a good impression on others. 
because that is another slippery slope. But wow, that is really hard to do because we live among people. Now, there was an example um, that featured in the news a number of years ago, and I think it was really sad. It was about a New Zealander, a man who was living in Australia, and he was found guilty of stealing $16 million Aussie dollars, I think that's about $20 million New Zealand dollars, from his employer over a period of five years. And he stole this money to f fund his lavish lifestyle. He pretended that he was a Tahitian prince, and his high-flying life was filled with Louis Vuitton suits, Lamborghini cars, and flashy properties. He even had a multi-million dollar apartment where he lived. Apparently, he was handsome and popular. And you know, when you read the Sunday papers, and they have, the, or I think only one of them has it now, these pages at the back and all the parties that people go to, where he was always in the photos of those parties. Now, I think that's a very sad example, but it highlights the extremes, real extreme, that people will go to to try and gain significance. And we see there that desperate need for approval, praise, recognition, profile, possessions, wealth, you know, just to get other people to sort of say, wow, look at that. Now, other people seek those things too, of course, but not usually in such illegal or over-the-top ways. But power, position, status, reaching the top in a sport, a career, whatever, are fairly common methods of trying to be somebody, and it's not too much of a stretch to see that all of that can lead to a selfish, driven, egotistical life. Okay, moving on. We'll look at maybe some of the right places to find significance. So first of all, this takes a major change of focus from look at me to look at God, taking our eyes off ourselves and on to Jesus. And the best verse, I think, for that is Colossians 3 and verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on earthly things. That takes repentance. And that's the essential first step in getting things right with God. Because the root of so many of our problems is our separation from God. And often behind that is our determination to live our lives without Him and meet our needs in our own way. And repentance is like our sincere apology to God and that complete about turn or that change of direction. And we need both of those elements there. And then God's word is a good place for us to find significance. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Our hearts know that there is more to life than here and now. Man's life is linked to eternity. Our hearts are linked to heaven. And that explains why nobody, not even Solomon, who had so much going for him, can be satisfied with just accomplishments and achievements and possessions under the sun. God's word shows us before and after shots. I think we've all seen those shots of people who just really transform themselves. Maybe they have a total makeover, you know, their hair, their makeup, their clothing, everything. Or they lose a whole lot of weight. Or they, you know, have a big workouts at the gym for months or something. And in the, in the end, they look so amazing, you can hardly even recognize them. 
Well, we get the same kind of thing, the inside job, when we become Christians. And in the New Testament epistles especially, we see this huge contrast between what we were and then what we become when we are born-again Christians and we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. I'm not even going to look at what we were. We know what that looked like. But after we get saved, we become God's children. We're chosen by him. We're lovingly adopted into his family. We're heirs to all that he has. We're his friends. We're at peace with God. And even as we go through hard things, we have grace to get through. We have hope for the future. We have eternal life here and now. We look forward to eternity with God in heaven. We're God's ambassadors to a lost world. We're righteous. Our sins are forgiven. We've gone from condemnation to justification. Our shame is gone. We can hold our heads up. We're accepted. We're complete. We are more than conquerors. Now, all these great changes and other things, it's an inside job. It's a a work in progress, but it's caused by God's grace at work in our hearts. You know, we hardly do anything. Someone said that. We hardly do anything. We, We take it by faith. And our task is mostly just to believe what God says. Faith is our core issue in Christianity. We're saved by faith. We get this new identity by faith. We let go of worldly desires by looking ahead in faith. Now, another good place to search is relationship with God. When it comes to significance and to relationship with God, we've just got to keep in mind that we are incredibly valuable and important to him. Now, some of you will know that how frustrating it is if you want to sell your house and you get an agent around to assess, you know, what the price might be. And then the agent says, look, your house is worth whatever someone is prepared to pay for it. And you think, oh, you know, can you just give me some indication of what that might be in dollars? But they stick with that. It's just what... It's worth whatever someone is prepared to pay for it. Well, if we want to know how valuable we are, it's the same. We are worth whatever someone is prepared to pay for us. Well, that's good news in that case because we must be very valuable because God paid an incredible price. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, who laid down his life, his sinless life, God paid dearly for us. We're worth a lot. And that takes us to another place where we find significance under the sun. Not the sun that shines down on us that I was talking about before, but under the sun, S-O-N, Jesus. You know, we started with that thought that life under the sun is not the right place to search for significance and meaning. But there's another sun. Life under the sun, S-U-N, is never going to be perfect or complete, including this feeling of significance. But Solomon tells us that this life will end. Okay, there's no surprises there. But in chapter 3, he says, as I said, God has put eternity in men's hearts. And if death was really the final end to life, then honestly, what would be the point? But there is another life after this one. And yes, we can find significance here and now, but not perfectly, certainly not in worldly ways, which are likely to draw us away from God, who is the only true and permanent 
source of significance. But we can live our life under God's Son, Jesus, who gave his life to save us and give us eternal life. And we can be born again, saved by what he did for us on the cross. We can be forgiven under his lordship, living in obedience to him, finding out who we are and what his special purpose for us is. Because God who made us has also tailor-made a plan for our lives, and we are perfectly suited for that plan. That's our assignment, that's our destiny, and it's good. And in God's kingdom, every one of us has a destiny, destiny, and every one of us is significant. And the conclusion that Solomon comes to at the end of Ecclesiastes is that life is worth living if we love God and if we obey his word. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Know God and do his will. And that was the key back then to mankind plugging that hole in his soul back thousands of years ago. It's still the key today. In fact, it's especially, I think it's especially important for us now as we look at going on into this new era of conquest and reaching the lost because we all want to do our bit. And this is definitely the time for all hands to be on deck and for each one of us to totally use our gift and serve God and make our lives count as much as we can. And you know, one thing I love about Ecclesiastes and the things that Solomon brings out here is that his conclusion about the significance of life is basically found in the most accessible things, fearing God, being in right relationship with God, having that relationship with him, and also in our work, you know, be that on the job or at home, in family and other relationships. And I think we see God's great kindness and wisdom in this. He hasn't made us in such a way that we find significance and great adrenaline rushes and exciting adventures, being rich, being powerful, getting to the top of the ladder and all those things, things that are out of reach for most people. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but it's just that it's not life for a lot of people. And in the long run, as, Sol- as Solomon d- discovered, everything is meaningless without God. But with him, you know, even mundane, normal life can be very, very meaningful. And even when we go through hardships and trials, there's always meaning, there's always hope. Life has meaning and significance when God is in the center And um, just something that the well-known Christian writer Barbara Johnson used to say, she's passed away some time ago, but she often used to say, we don't have a hopeless end, we have an endless hope. Always true in God, whatever is going on. So let's just pray. God, I thank you that you are always with us, and Lord, whatever is going on in our lives, You can give us meaning and purpose, Lord, and hope. And God, you are our significance. You make our lives significant. God, you have a plan and a purpose for each one. And God, I just pray this morning that you would take 
your word, God, that just even some little thought you would just apply to each heart and make your word flesh in our lives and help us, Lord, to go forward with that renewed sense, Lord, that our lives count, that our lives are important, Lord, that you have a work for us to do, and Lord, with that renewed sense of commitment that we're going to do everything we can to make our lives count for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.